Who are we? Nobodies. Speak for yourself. Okay. We're Canadian filmmakers with the dream of surviving financially on the backs of our films. Welcome to our show where we bring people along on our film journey. Maybe we can learn a thing or two. Maybe we can teach people a thing or two while drinking beers. I mean, if you can't drink beers while filmmaking, what's the point? We are Fable Forest Films, failing our way to success. Welcome to Jurassic Park. I mean, our show. First frames first. Welcome to episode 25. 25, special edition of of First Frames First. First Frames First, a podcast where we map our filmmaking journey. Cheers. Cheers. And this is this is a live podcast with five people in the audience. Correct. This yes. is this is the most people that have ever heard us speak uh, <laughs> at once. So on this show, <laughs> show of hands before we get going, who here has listened to an entire episode of this show before? Oh. Get the shit out of it. Are you crazy? You guys are the best. You're the best. (laughs) That was like, what is that in in percentage? I didn't know that you guys did a podcast right away. So it's it's silly. It's very silly. We started in March of 2017. Yeah. And really the whole point is to just keep ourselves moving, you know, talk about the film journey, what we're up to every couple weeks, talk, drink beers. Yeah, so beer is an essential part of the talking, but it also kind of keeps us on track. Does it? Not the beer. Oh. The talking. Every single time, every time we sit together and we talk about our journey, we talk about our goals, the things that we want to do, and so it keeps us thinking about what is the, what's the next step for us and what are we going to do next. Yeah. So it's kind of, it just keeps the bullseye clear. So tonight is a crazy special episode. Yeah. Um, we just screened our short film that we've been discussing uh, on the show multiple times, My Huntsville Muse, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as our uh, feature-length film, Bickerman's Grove, Mm -hmm. live at the Apollo Cinema in Kitchener, Ontario. We just had a, I'm lying, but we had a full crowd. (laughs) Yeah. And then everybody's left because... I've rarely seen it this packed. Yeah, I mean, it was ridiculous. Did you you lay down (laughs) with all the seat space you had? No, actually, you know, it was... uh, yeah, I've seen less. Oh, well, oh. That, I mean, that's, that's I've been good. to shows with less. That's awesome. <laughs> so, me too. And were they Hollywood shows? Yes. Yes, no. exactly. I've gone to the theater and, and, and been the only one in the theater. What movie did you see? It's because I, well, I went on a Monday night, so it is a quieter night, yeah. but I can't remember. So, so in the audience, we have uh, Danny also a filmmaker from Kitchener-Waterloo. Yep. That's right. Jenna, aspiring actress and... Student. Student, wonderful. <laughs> Derek Lackenbauer, returning guest and all-around uh, wonderful human, lovely uh, gentleman, uh, star oh. of Bickerman's Grove. Cameo in My Hansel Muse yes. and star of I Was a Greenhouse. Correct. Yeah. And uh, my dad, Ken Green, first time on the show, yes. uh, a long-time fan. Oh yeah, uh, of mine. A super fan. Super yeah, fan. super fan. He, your dad is your dad is <laughs> is a super fan. Yes, that's true. So just a note, guys. If you guys want to say anything, just direct your voice at that microphone there, and, uh, and yeah. yell loud and loud and speak loudly. Yeah. So how are you, how are you feeling right now? First of all, how are you feeling 
at three in the morning this morning. <laughs> yeah. Feeling good? No, no, pretty cranky. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty crusty about because we were busy. We were busy doing the the final effects for my hands for Muse and throwing that on, and then doing the final credits. And you think that, and then doing the final color, just to get it out the door. But um, you think that it's going to be the some things are going to be quick and easy because sometimes they are, but they're not. So, so, and this this tends to be a way that I tend to work. Uh-huh. And my wife did glare at me and says, this is always the way you do it. You're up all night the night yeah, you, before. you did just finish filming this like a week ago, right? Did she, she really sound, she really <laughs> no. sounded like when, when Tucker, did we Herman, finish, Tucker Herman on that one. When did we finish filming this? <laughs> filming? October the 1st? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Oh, so it's like oh. this is the it other day that you've been taken working until 3 in the morning to finish this. Oh, jackass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, my fault. You guys, a- anyone who's listened to the show before, you guys have seen that we're we've been kind of slow, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we we've been we've been enjoying like a the beer, yes, the beer, <laughs> and and like months of script writing, mm-hmm. and uh, things seem to have really come to fruition in the last Christmas holidays and uh, uh, starting a Winter Wonderland, and that that's picking up. Uh, uh, pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been doing some work for uh, Bell Canada, and that's um, coming to fruition. And there's some exciting news there. I mean, can we just talk about it? Or yeah. Oh, okay. And um, but everything seems to be piling on. So uh, yeah, we've been the last couple nights. We've been trying to get this thing moving. And uh, Adrian at one point said, um, "Oh yeah, no problem. Almost done. Just need to add." The guitar, touch up the dialogue, uh, put the put the uh, FX on the book, do the credits, uh, the color grading. But yeah, we're good. We're almost there. It should be just like a couple, like a half hour. No, not a half hour. I said one full day. Zach Whitford, welcome, welcome to the show. So uh, we're joined. Uh, we're joined by a camera technician yes. and all-round filmmaking dude, Zach Whitford. Hello, hello. So we met Zach Whitford on the set of Bickerman's Grove. Wait. Okay. Is that true? Yeah, it was, the, it was one of my earlier. You have to talk at the mic. I, if you were a filmmaker, yeah. you would know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, well, you, if you had done audio properly for <laughs> Yeah, he oh, was yeah, the. Yeah, I know. Yeah, doing audio. Yeah, that was one of the first jobs I did along. Did you did you not uh, take part in Malco's uh, little car nope. short film? No, no I we met you on nope. Bickram's Grove. No, I was. The, I yeah. got. Uh, I worked with Malco on a other short film mm-hmm. long time ago, and he just called me up out of nowhere. He's like, hey. So, so Mike Malco introduced you yes. to us for yep. Bickerman's Grove. Yep. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. I do have a, a little question. Because yeah. you know me, you know, anytime I'm around the set or whatever, I'm always asking questions, right? Yeah. Um, true. That little camera over there, the red light's flashing. Yeah. GoPro. This one is not. Different cameras. It actually is flashing, believe it or not. Just doesn't have... It just doesn't have a light on the front like that guy does. <laughs> okay. This one here has a light on the top, and if you stand up, but you know what? That is flashing. that is a great question because you one day w- you would say that, and then would be like this would be like oh shit, and then we'd go and switch it off. <laughs> well, I was I was just think, I was just thinking how you you edit you know your vodcast and stuff like that, and 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 then I'm just thinking you know they're going to get back, and they're going to only have one view, and we're going to be so upset that none of you guys are on camera. No, we this show is about us. We really okay? have people. We this did. show. <laughs> the show is about us. It happens. So. It happens, right? Yeah, yeah. We were shooting um, footage. Yeah. 
were we were shooting footage for one of the the civil war group that meets out in Milton, and I wasn't able to be there, so I sent somebody with the camera, and I got all this beautiful stuff in between the interviews, and not one of the interviews. Oh no! They had the no camera way. running in between, so like it's like. Oh, no. Oh. And they go, okay, and they set up, and they go, okay, so, and click off. Oh, no. And there were people from the States. We were only, that was the only opportunity we had to get them. Wait, are you saying that they pressed the record button when you they can thought get they were faster. turning it off? Holy. Yes. So we recorded And then they were like, and we're ready to go. And so they would hit the record button and turn it off to record, and then they would turn it back on. <laughs> oh, again that's amazing. <laughs> now, we got Whoa. enough footage from them and that stuff, so we were able to do the documentary for them, but we, we missed out on all this amazing stuff. They had the, the oh, horses no. running when taking oh, the no. sabers and cutting the watermelons. And oh, man. Yeah, so it happens. You must have you must have you must have broken into cold sweats when you saw that. Well, because yeah, I was you know I I could not be there that Mm -hmm. one day, and that Mm -hmm. was the one day that I wasn't there, and it was the one, and she was horrified, absolutely horrified that it happened. But you know, it happened, so you work around it. I remember we did an entire, uh, I mean, probably the best podcast we've ever done. Uh, We went out to Derek's trailer. Um, and the thing about going out to the trailer and having a campfire is that you drink a lot, and uh, <laughs> it really just no. smooths the whole evening, you know. Like a lot. And uh, we had we had our sound engineer, uh, Christian, um, there, and we had a great two hours. Oh, it was the longest podcast we've ever done. Well, I don't know about that, but it was but, long. Uh, two hours of audio suggestions, what to do, what not to do little stories here and there from the times we worked together and um, uh, sound recording engineer and uh, and then when we got back we realized that uh, nobody had recorded any of the sound no look and it's not the sound recorder's fault it's just it's kind of it's it's kind of ironic it happened on his episode but I I was in charge of hitting the record button and I hit the record button (laughs) But it was one of those mini SD cards that goes into a bigger SD card. And I put that, that was in the recorder, and it was the first time I was ever doing that. And the red light was on for I am recording. Yeah. But then when we opened the file, the file was like a, a second and a half long. And there was nothing there. So something, something had happened. I mean, even though the guy that presses the button may have you know, made the mistake, it's really the department head. <laughs> that is ultimately responsible for you know the sound quality and did, I'm did just saying it's Christian's fault for an invest, full investigation. Yes, we did. <laughs> we no, I'm the, I was the judge and the executioner. So Zach, tell us what you thought about my Huntsville Muse. I loved it. Okay, loved wait for the microphone, you audio. Yes, I get it. Yes, I know. How did you feel about it? Tell I us. It. I think it was honestly because it was film noirish in a way, like, but it was not black and white right so it's kind of got that interesting lighting texture which i really really like it was soft um, is that like a was it like a sepia or like on your camera you yeah. get sepia or is it? Mm-hmm. yeah and we actually had um <laughs> we had uh fog a fog machine yeah. in the house a beautiful house like uh in stratford ontario a lovely bed and breakfast in the same house that you shot the exterior mm-hmm. yes yeah because that was a nice looking gorgeous eh? i mean a wonderful house and so we had a great i mean I, you guys didn't see but really really tall ceilings so we had 
smoke machine just to give that little bit of mist that you don't quite see. Um, and so uh, Derek would come in, we'd, we'd mess the place up, and he'd be, you know, using the... Was the Derek was multi, multi-talented, yeah. uh, innkeeper and... and silverware wow. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, the uh, smoke alarm goes off. Oh. And the best part was, prior to the smoke alarm going off, somebody said, might have been me, I don't know. I don't think it was Christian. Yeah, no, so- it wasn't Christian. Somebody said, we're going to set off the smoke alarm. Oh, yeah. And Christian said, <laughs> Christian said it it's not Christian smoke. Christian said, it's not smoke. It's uh, vapor. Vapor. So it's not going to set off the... Uh, <laughs> it sets them off. It Big totally time. set them off. Yeah. And uh, so we're like, oh, shit. Open the door. You know, wave it off. And then... Uh, so we're good. We keep going. We fog the place up some more. And uh, out comes the owner. And he says, uh, ooh, you guys set the fire alarm off. Sometimes... It sets all of them off in the house, and like the fire department gets called because it's a bed and breakfast. <laughs> and uh, we're like, whew, whew, we're gonna be fine. So then we s- smoked it up some more, and uh, <laughs> and of course we'll then then we'll one went off, and then they all went off. And then he ran out to make some phone calls. I assume. I <laughs> yeah. Call off but, the uh, yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this, guys, because this was a concern of mine. And you guys, let me, let me, I'm going to think of you guys as like a, a test audience for the film. Did you guys get it? Like, did you understand? And it's, if, if you didn't understand, it's not because it's any fault of yours. It would be our fault as the filmmakers for not, not explaining things correctly. What did you guys understand happened in the film? Let's start with Jenna because Derek. Are we talking about Beckerman's Grove now? No, no let's we're start talking with about My Muse. Okay. My Hansel Muse, the yeah. short film. Yeah, Jenna. So I got that he was a dying man mm-hmm. and that he had stumbled into his room and found a woman there. But it wasn't his room, was it? That's what I, I didn't know about that because mm-hmm. he said, oh, well, it was in my room. But okay. Okay. I, I can't imagine there being somebody in his room and him not knowing about it. Okay. So that was a little bit confusing to me. Um, but I got the concept of him making the book mm-hmm. about her. And I don't know if she was physically present there or if that was him kind of reminiscing about and and playing that out for the audience. But mm-hmm. I love the part where she hits the book and it's that transition to, to his book. So mm-hmm. I really liked it. Okay. I thought it was beautiful, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, some Anyone else? Yeah. Um... Sorry. Um, I got the sense that the story was set in the present, that she was a protagonist in the story, and she was reading the book, and that's what created this flashback. It was his room, Mm -hmm. and he was dying, and he found his inspiration in that room, that she wasn't really there. It was just that room was his muse, because he goes and he turns the record player on, Mm -hmm which indicates that he knows this space because you don't go into somebody else's room and start me- messing around with things. And so when she saw that and she read that, um, I think that there was, a, there was a connection for her when he described her um, or the, this imaginary person that was the muse that inspired him. Um, and that's why she runs out at the end because she realizes that there's there's something happened somewhere along mm-hmm. the way. Yeah, okay. um, Beautiful, Danny. That's a really great interpretation. Yeah. It, 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 and you know what? It's it, it's a little different to ours, but I love that one. 
Yep. That yeah, she like she is a muse. He's going to write a book, and she's the physical manifestation of his inspiration. That's great. The, the little writing, reading at the end that you hear of the gentleman. <laughs> I mean, that basically told the story in the end, really. Like, that's what made it clearer for me. Mm -hmm. um, but watching it, yeah, you don't really know exactly what's going on until <laughs> things start to... When he first disappears, it's a case of that, oh, damn, he was never there. You mm -hmm. know, that's okay. Yeah. And then she goes running down the stairs, and the door's open, and... She's not there either. Good. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. I don't. I don't know this how is, much. I don't know awesome. how much we want to like discuss about our our thought process for it. Do we want to just go for it? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, and um, because we do like our plan for it is um, to submit to some film festivals and see how it does. I mean, it's a it's a short, so we'll we'll see how how we make out. Um, and really, we wanted to not. I mean, we talked about it before, but we hadn't filmed anything in a while, and we really wanted to just. We want to film something. Knock right? the rust and, off. Uh, knock the rust off, yeah. Yeah, because otherwise you can go a really, really long time, not make anything, and you're ready to break somebody's neck. You're ready to snap a spine, right? I'm ready to karate chop a small kid. How about you, Zach? Do, what, did you, what did you think? Let me, I'm going to shoot this over here. For me, I, I, I guess I analyze, analyze things more of a, in a technical standpoint. So for me, it's more about an emotional the emotional feeling I got from it visually than, than anything else. Um, uh, it's definitely a mysterious um, charging piece for sure. Like it just has, has that, that mystery to it. Um, it's kind of hard to nail down for me what, what it was. Um, as, as far as like technically I can, I can tell you a whole list of things that like sure. <laughs> gave me that feeling, but um, uh it's definitely full of, of, of mystery. And then also that, that it's very, it's a sharp piece in a way. Like it's, um, it makes a point. What that point is, is kind of opposite interpretation. You, you're it. like, you're like, I, I don't understand, Oof. but you guys were made, you made, made a point. I didn't get it, but you made a point. <laughs> well, yeah. Like Someone I, understands like can, what is happening here. No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> like I can, I was like, I, yeah, just for me, I, I, I guess I, I just see things more in, in a technical standpoint. Yeah. I am very concerned that people might not understand, might not, it might be too much of a stretch. That, right? that said, can, can I say something? Yeah. That, that is, to me, it's very interesting that, you know, there's, there's five people here. Yeah. You guys wrote it. Yeah, there's five people here, and there's and there's almost like five different interpretations. Well, mm -hmm. I'm happy you said that. And yeah, can I say what mine is? I mean, sure, but before you, you must, do, can. before you do, because here's Push the thing. It. Sometimes I speak to my dad, so I don't know what his interpretation is. But but what I, the one thing that I want to say is that even though we wrote it, he wrote it. I did nothing. <laughs> We have argued about what it means. Yeah. So we've had we've also had our own internal discussions many times about this is this is and and I mean we we obviously we agree on what it is, but we've also started to play with the the before and the after and how it works and what's going on here and uh, and yeah. and some subtleties in, in it. So it's fun that everybody gets to see a little something. Go ahead. What are your thoughts? So. I don't, you know me. I always forget things, so I don't know what we talked about point. yesterday. <laughs> so, um, the interesting thing that I found was, or what I, the way I saw it was, 
uh, here's a gentleman that is dying. And he's already said his goodbyes to the people in his life. And he walks, in he walks into his room, and, and basically he's, he's got a room to, to maybe live out his, his dying days or whatever. And, uh, and, but he walks in there, and there's, there's someone there. So that person could have been, to me, that person was in that room, you know, uh, was in that room 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, and just happened to be there. And, and he sees, and, he, and then he talks, and then he, and then he goes on and explains it, and whatever. And then she, and then she gives him the idea of, of you know, why don't you write your book? Uh, but he, but to me, he was he was just you know basically he he said it he said he, he said his goodbyes, and he was just going to, and it just happened to be someone there. Like there's other movies and stuff like that that have been out there that have someone has been back in time or whatever, and then all of a sudden they they meet, mm -hmm. you know. We and James Cameron are like this, right? We did Terminator. Uh, we really thought about Terminator 2. Yeah. And how we could bring a, like a love story. Yeah, so that absolutely, absolutely, Ken. Um, that is uh, so for, we, sure, we, for sure. From so to give you guys uh, like a little bit of a, some insight um, into our thought process, um, this house that you see is kind of in and out of time. And um, you could argue they are both there, they're both there, but they're both there or they're not, or they're ghosts or who they're not, or yeah. uh, or what happens if if you if you kind of get some of the the feel of it. He's from the twenties, right? He's yeah. got the Gatsby look. He's got he's playing an old timey record with you know nineteen twenty six music. I mean, not, you wouldn't know, but. But um, kind of an old timey jazz scratchy record, um, and she's a little bit more fifties. Fifties, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, a little bit more prim and proper. She's got the eye makeup and you know, the lovely, lovely hair. Yeah. And um, so even though she's from a, a newer time period, she was the one that became the muse for him writing the book that she's, she's ultimately re reading. She's so reading his book. Yeah. There is a time. Rip, rip, in it's this a, it's place. A, it's a house. It is a. It is a. And do you know what, Danny? I really love your interpretation of it. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think, I think the ambiguity of it is the charm of the piece. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I, for one, don't think that every story needs to be neatly wrapped up. Mm -hmm. I don't think you need to, you know walk out and know all the answers. In fact, I think sometimes the best films are the ones that have you walking out the theater discussing what the heck was that that I just saw, Yeah. right? And then having that discussion with whoever you went to the movie with, like it's like, you know, did you catch that or you get that? Or this is what I think and oh, okay, that's totally not what I thought. Mm -hmm. And I find those movies much more exciting and much more interesting mm -hmm. because of that ambiguity, because they don't neatly wrap everything up in a parcel and give it yeah. to the audience. Now, do you think those kinds of films are dying or do you think they're emerging or do you think they're on the rise? What do, you think is, what do you think, think the trend is? Yeah. I think it's a small niche that really appreciates that kind of thing. Um, just speaking with a lot of people at work and stuff about films, um, 
and I'll, you know, I'll say, oh, this was a really awesome movie. And we'll start talking about it and they'll go, yeah, I don't understand why. Mm-hmm. Or they'll go see it and they'll go, well, that was crap. Um, yeah. because I think the, it, it's, we live very much <laughs> in an age of instant gratification mm-hmm. and we want that gratification. We want to be able to go and we don't want to have to think about it. Um, I don't think thinking films have really ever been as popular as they should be. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons I love Asian cinema, like those martial arts movies, those historical ones, is because they start in the middle of the friggin' story, and then they work backwards, and it's beautiful mm-hmm. to watch the story unfold. And even if you don't understand it all, mm-hmm. it's a masterful way of telling stories. Mm-hmm. And so by telling stories like you did in the Huntsville Muse, with that little bit of ambiguity, that's what made it, I thought, a very charming piece, because it is open to interpretation. Everybody can, Everybody comes away with something yeah. a little different, but then we're having this great discussion about it. Yeah. Whereas if you had wrapped it all up and presented it and this is what happened, there wouldn't be as much discussion over it. And I think we need to discuss films to make better films. Oh, man. Here, yeah, here. Yeah. There we go. Yes. I mean, we can make... Podcast. <laughs> She's saying that we need to make better films. That's, what, no, that's I think, all I got out of that. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think filmmakers in general <clears throat> need to be more conscious of the storytelling mm-hmm. if the story isn't good doesn't matter who's in your picture doesn't matter how much of a budget you spend on your cg it comes down to the story mm-hmm. and you want the story to move people to touch people to inspire people and whether it's you know like by Huntsville Muse with the ambiguity, it's charming. Mm-hmm. It, it generates that discussion. And I think that as you know, those of us who do make films, we need to be conscious that the story is the most important thing in yeah. the film. I absolutely agree with you. Story is absolutely the most important thing. Mm-hmm. There, is, there is nothing. Like if you don't have story, you haven't got nothing. It is the foundation of every great film. Every film... Yeah. I see your face. I see you wanted to say a thing. Uh, we just have a loose mic. Yeah. yeah just oh, there's you. There you go. You can take it off. Yeah. Yeah. Just when you're talking, just when hold it still. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Do you have a loose mic? With films in general, um, if you're looking at blockbusters and stuff like that, that that don't necessarily have a great story, but they're visually, you know, they're exciting and and all that. Sure. And to me, it seems like the lesser-known movies, or that don't get you know the big box office appeal or whatever, are to me those are the ones that have a better story. I mean, the thing is, is that, and we've I think we've talked about this before too, is that the box office wants blockbusters. Mm-hmm. They want a Marvel after movie, Marvel movie after Marvel movie. They want Star Wars. They want Transformers. It, it has to be spectacle. Correct. It it cannot be. It, you can't like. And I I am to blame for this too. It can't be a movie where you're like, oh, I would have the same effect if I watched it at home on TV. Yeah, like, like I went, I just went to the see cinema it. is a specific place for a specific kind of movie. Yeah, like you can enjoy, you can enjoy a great film at home. You don't like this is the way things are right now. So the the cinema is getting designated for the Marvel movies, for the spectacular. You know, Anne and I went to see um, Three Billboards for Ebbing, Missouri. I saw that in the theater, which we normally would not do. But um, I had returned home from a vacation. I watched the Golden Globes. Um, They had talked about, you know, all the different movies. And I was like, man, I want to see something. 
and uh, and we went out and it was amazing. But again, you're right. You don't have to sit in the theater to get the full experience of that movie. Of that kind of movie, right? you, can, you don't. You go for the roller coaster. So that's why the blockbuster is becoming so. So I suppose I suppose popcorn. It makes you think. Um, you know, are the people that are trying to do theatrical releases for small, kind of more intellectual films, still doing the right thing? Well, I, and the landscape is completely different. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't. What is the what is the what is the reach of a theatrical release? If you're going to release in five cinemas across Canada, why why do and and you're going to get a hundred people to see your movie and it's going to cost you X number of dollars to get it into those cinemas? What's the point? Mm-hmm. Because you have worldwide or you have nationwide or whatever whatever region you're going for, at the click of a button through your aggregator. Yeah. Maybe there's maybe there is a um, and and when we find out. <laughs> We're gonna let you know, but maybe there is a a, a wrapper around. Um, you've got a movie that's a little bit smaller, but it some a distributor believes in you. They think that you're gonna be successful, and they're gonna put it to VOD. They're gonna put it to DVD. They're gonna do a stretch. And what they need to do is they need to hit certain markets. They need mm-hmm. to put it into uh, theatrical because let's say you can't get into TIFF unless you had a theatrical release. Let's Whatever. just say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe there's, like, for instance... You're checking a box. You cannot... Um, and I'm, I know that there's lots of Oscar rules, and Oscars are coming up, mm-hmm. um, but you can't, you can't uh, even apply for the Oscars unless you had a theatrical release in New York City and, and Los, Los Angeles, Angeles for one week, at mm-hmm. least. So there's things that you have to do in order to check the checkboxes. Um, well, there's a, there's a number of, because uh, I've just now started entering films and film festivals. I'm just comfortable now. A little further Sorry. away. Oh, a little, a little bit further yeah. away. I'm just comfortable now uh, with my filmmaking, and I think I'm starting to really put out things that I'm very proud of now that I've started the circuit. And there are a number of festivals that actually say that, you know, these are the festivals you want to enter if you want to be seen at, you know, any of the big festivals like TIFF or if you want to be in the Oscar contenders or if you want to show at cons, you know, you have to go into these festivals and you have to not just be in the festival, but you have to win in the festival in order for them. And they'll promote you and they'll, they'll put, they'll, they'll, you know, uh, put your film in front of the people that need to see it to get that Oscar nomination or whatever. Um, but it, it, it's, it's really interesting because it is so difficult um, so just as a question for you guys, um, and cause we were talking a little bit about the theatrical versus the sitting at home and watching yep. movies. Um, I watch movies all the time. I love my Netflix. I get to see things that I've things, uh, um, um, some really amazing stuff that I never would have seen anywhere else because it wouldn't have been anywhere else. Yeah. And they're doing some really good series in that. Um, so but Netflix, of course, is is not something that's very easy to get your stuff onto. But um, what do you think about about the future of that for small independent filmmakers, like something going something like Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. or um, one of those sort of TVs, internet TV stations, for yeah. lack mm-hmm. of a better word, and streaming. I think streaming. I think that um, you know they. You listen to some podcasts, and you listen to some people, and they talk about barrier to entry, right? So they talk about you know, back in the 
you know, olden days, you know, and independent filmmakers still had to be rich, you know, you still had to afford all the film and, you know, all the people that could make this thing happen. Now the barrier to entry is so easy, anybody could go out and make a film with their iPhone. And, um, very true. Good movies. Um, but you still have to make the film, right? I mean, yes, you can film with uh, 4K on your, you know, your BlackBerry or your iPhone, but... You still have to write something. And you, you still, still need a story. To, and still you know what you need? Story. You need someone to act their ass off. Right. Um, if, you don't have, if, you don't, yeah. if you yeah, if you don't have someone who's going to throw down in front the of the story camera, could be perfect, right? yeah. So you don't have you you you're standing there with balls in your hands. So <laughs> somebody <laughs> else. Some of us. Um, and so, but anyways, they talk about barrier to entry, but um, there's also barrier to entry for those platforms, right? Not all, right? Some are much easier to get into. Um, people that have been watching our show have kind of seen our journey uh, putting Bickerman's Grove and I Was a Greenhouse onto uh, video on demand. So mm -hmm. there is a process to, you know, you can put your own stuff on iTunes and Amazon, not Amazon Prime, but Amazon and uh, Google and those types of things. Um, but to get to Netflix, there is another step, right? Um, and, uh, you know, it does have to do with certainly quality um but also genre also um who's in your film right mm -hmm. so if you do if you do a genre film like a like a hardcore action film or a, like a horror film you maybe don't need a named actor but if you're doing a drama right or you're doing a shakespearean ghost comedy you need an actor you need an actor okay i mean we have actors but you need that's not what i meant you, you need you need a you need a named actor. You need somebody where they're like, "Oh, I've seen Derek Lackenbauer, 14, so, you know, in fourteen things." So I will, I will say that, and we think about distribution a lot because it's if you can if you can close that circle and you can make a little bit of money with your film, you can make another film, which is the whole goal here. Right. And the the truth of the matter, in my opinion, is that there's just too much. You're not going to. You're not going to see those those same films that that rise up and take over the world like you used to. You have thousands and thousands of films coming out every year, and they're going onto YouTube, they're going onto Amazon Prime, they are going Netflix is Netflix is picking and choosing what they want because they have such a huge so audience base. Yeah. Everybody wants to be on Netflix, even if they get paid peanuts, because everyone will see their movie. Millions and millions of people will see their name on the screen and that gives them a huge amount of leverage in, in building their next project. Yep. So, but the truth is that you need to build your own audience. Like you have to, like you have the capability of putting it on Amazon Prime or you have the capability of putting it on to Google Play or any of these iTunes or any of these platforms, but you need to, you need to drive people to your movie. And that's going to be the future is you're not going to be able it, it, there will be lightning will strike and there will be people who the studios are going to say, you're amazing. We're going to take you and we're going to give you a whole bunch of money to make this thing. And, but then also they're going to take that person and they're going to say, we're going to give you a whole bunch of money to make our thing. Unless you're a very special person, then those people kind of get the money to make whatever they want. But the, the likelihood for the rest of us, the normal filmmakers who are in the trenches slogging it every single day is that we're going to continue to make movies and hopefully build an audience of people who enjoy watching what we make. You're your own best marketer. 
right? I mean, Ke- uh, Kevin Smith says the exact same thing, mm-hmm. right? He says, um, uh, you know, he doesn't, a- he didn't advertise for his last movie, and he says, I make movies for my Twitter following, right? Because you know, he has I've, two million people. If I've got two million Twitter followers. I just need some of you guys to come and watch my film, and you're following me. That means you're my fan, and uh, you're gonna come and see my thing. And I don't need a lot of money to make the next thing. Right, because I'm not making these huge, giant Hollywood pictures. I'm making the things that I love, that my fans love, and uh, we're in it together. Right, and I think maybe that's what part this show and the other things that we do is kind of part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, so because because you're still in early stages, are you going to experiment with different genres, different, you know, until you? build up a fan base yeah. and then and then eventually the fan base might say we want to see this yeah we want to see this absolutely if you can if you can take a if you if you can build up enough people and you can actually take a poll and be like what would you like to see because we want to continue making we we're going to make it with our flavor it's going to be ours but what are we going to do with that we can make we can make a a a, a, a show about postman spies or we could make a show about, you know, alien, alien zombie creatures that are, you know, and a murder mystery inside a house. Like, we can do all of these things and they will still be our films. You know, what do you want to see? Mm-hmm. Because we just, we want to make. We want to, like, for us, the fun is in the making. And I think some, some filmmakers love a particular thing, right? They love a genre. They love horror or they love intellectual they want to do true stories, you know, the post or mm-hmm. um, the darkest hour, and they want to get into that nitty gritty. And I think uh, we have, you know, concepts in every genre. We have things that we love because we just love to tell stories. It doesn't necessarily have to be a love story or, a, you know, a comedy or a drama. Um, we've got, you know, I think it's it, things to tell. Yeah, it's about a, it. For for me personally, it's about a situation. Yeah. Every story is about a situation that arises. So for Greenhouse, it was the situation, the situation that the whole film is built around. It's about this man who he cannot play his guitar because it will destroy him, but he is forced to play his guitar. So he gets put into this situation where he, he has to do the thing that he does not want to do. And th- that, those kinds of situations, I, I feel like that's what stories are built on. And whether you're, whether you're kind of creeping people out or whether you are making people laugh at you, I think you know. As long as you're finding those those situations, then just a oh, yeah, sorry, ahead. just a couple of things about Huntsville Muse. Yeah, uh, what I found interesting was you know it's basically a four minute, five minutes, five, five yeah. minute, um, short. Um, was you know I was there and and watched all of the filmmaking and you know how long it took all day and and different <laughs> things, and so you know we've been waiting all this time to see what what was actually put in so you you're there and you remember you know oh we we filmed this like how many times yeah you know so it was very interesting to see it all come together i thought it was absolutely fantastic and um it came out beautifully to me the que- a question i have for you is uh, how did you get the cork sound <laughs> <laughs> the cork sound yeah so yeah yes. so yes we did a lot of Foley. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I came over to Adrian's house, and he was, he had pulled a uh, hardwood floor from another room. He was taking his pants off again. 
because he was like, these pants are not going to be, they're not going to have the proper sound. Yeah, you, you, can't wear, a, you can't wear jean pants when he's wearing suit pants. Right? They're not going to sound right. So he already had the shoes on. He's trying to take the pants off. He's like, damn it. He takes the shoes off. He puts the other pants on. He puts a jacket on that's three sizes too small, and he's making the noises. Um, and we couldn't, he had a cork bottle. He had a, a bottle with some water oh, in it. It was an old whiskey bottle. Old whiskey bottle. And uh, every time he was pulling the cork out, something not right, you know? Like, it didn't sound like that It wasn't like noise. It wasn't like k-dunk enough. It wasn't like loud enough. Yeah. So we, uh, I was like, oh, man. You know, way back when we first started this podcast, I don't know what we were celebrating. Your birthday, maybe? I don't know. His lovely wife had purchased him a bottle of scotch uh, called Jura. <laughs> and, uh, of course, we were drinking it on the show. My favorite scotch. And uh, the joke on the show was, we're going we're gonna to pop this open, and it's going to be... Oh, it it's was gonna so be expensive. Used. It was a $120 bottle of scotch. Wow. Right? <laughs> and let me tell you something. We drank like three quarters of the entire... <laughs> Yeah. So terrible. Anyway, it was my I mean, birthday it was present. delicious. <laughs> the, um, it was, uh, I think it was episode three. On the podcast. Yeah. We popped the bottle. We were like, oh, that sounds really amazing. Let's do it right up to the mic. And then we, and right? it sounded amazing. And now, we laughed. A year later, we, uh, on, the, on the podcast, we joke. We were like, somebody, we're going we're gonna to write down when this happened because somebody's going to need a cork fully. And then it was like, <laughs> and we went back. We hunted for the sound. We hunted for the podcast, the, and we found it. The funny thing is, is, is you know when you're filming uh, and all that. Uh, so in this in this short, you, you only saw him pop the cork once, and and they had a drink and all that. Yeah. What people don't realize is how many takes. <laughs> yeah. It took. To, <laughs> to, to get that and, and how many times I washed that wine glass and, and put the cork back in <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely funny and then just to see it like once and you're going that's it. Oh, that was a lot of effort into that, <laughs> I just that. everything is a lot of effort yeah. and, and another thing I got to experience this evening uh, had some family here to watch the movie um, my mother arrived right back in with her popcorn just as it was starting. Yeah. Sat down, already missed my first little cameo oh, spot. Oh no! Yeah, and uh, but before she knew it, right? They're sitting there and they're talking. Oh, and where's this? Place? Oh, that's a nice looking house. That's I. Th- where is that from? You know, and, <laughs> and you're like, like watch the damn thing. <laughs> and uh, before they know it, it's over. My mom looks and she goes, "Oh, is that it?" <laughs> it's like, mom, it's a short. What is? The movie. They're called shorts. So that, oh, because it was really short. They call it a short. And she's <laughs> looking over at her girlfriends. That's why it's a short. Because it was short. That's oh, so it was good, amazing. Though. It was good. Oh. I liked it. <laughs> That's awesome. So some people don't get the whole it, short Derek? concept, right? Yeah, yeah. It was too, it was too short. Yeah. yeah. So, I, no, I don't think so. So, Derek, tell us, tell us how you felt seeing... How, how long has it been since you watched yourself on uh, Bickerman's Grove? Oh, wow. It's, it's I put it on wild. every night at bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I look at my face and... I'm the sliding deeper <laughs> and deeper oh, into the abyss. Into the oh, abyss. God, I love that line. <laughs> I love that scene. We had many funny moments yeah, making man. that film. 
Yeah. In fact, there, that scene that you just spoke of there had, had been done better prior. But Adrian, as he was sitting there with the camera, I cracked him up. Doing <laughs> he was that so funny. Scene. Derek was so funny. I was holding the camera and... <laughs> laughing and I was laughing and trying to keep it in but the camera like, was, I was shaking. I you and make bloopers with that. <laughs> so many of those moments on that set. Yeah. yeah. Like, cameras shake. Because yeah. people were being funny. Yeah. It was, there was good times, for sure. All right. It makes me very happy when you're sitting in the audience of, I mean, hundreds. <laughs> and... Uh, and people laugh. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. that just—it is cool. And do, do you know what? I also enjoyed I because it's been a while since I watched it, and I did enjoy actually like laughing myself. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yes. I mean, <laughs> there were some things that that I was like, oh, you know what I mean? Okay, we'll do better next time. But um, for some of the things you like, that is cool. You, you know what's That's great is enjoyable. is you you you've watched it. I've watched it maybe four or five times. Yeah, and there's a lot of parts there where I still laugh yeah that are still funny when we yeah. you know when we had when we premiered at Grand River Film Festival and then we had our big gala at mm-hmm. the end of last year uh, or two years ago it's 20 at the end of 2016 we had seen it so many times <laughs> right because when you're when you're when you're editing a feature I mean you have just <laughs> you hate too it. Many times. you you're like and you do yeah. that right you're like okay good enough fine um, well, you do that. You, know you do that so first time. cut, right? And you're like, "Oh wow, the scene is amazing!" And then you start the tweaking and the tweaking yeah. and the tweaking, <laughs> and then you put the foley in, and then you do this, and then you do that, and then you color balance everything. And by the, you know, by the t- ten hours after this, you know, one minute scene that was so fabulous, you walk away and you go, "I don't even know if it's good anymore." Yeah, yeah. I can't tell. But way, but I've putting some time. Calls from Adrian. I don't know if I like this, man. Yeah. I don't See, is you, it funny? Is this funny? Can you give me some... I don't know if it's funny. I need some validation. Yes. And, uh, well, so you need that fresh pair of eyes or you need to yeah. just walk away from it and well, do something the else and then and come back to time. it. Time. Yeah, yeah I, re- I really enjoyed it. I really liked some of the performances. Some of the things where I was like, when, you know, a year and a half ago, I was like, oh man, I want something different to here. To change that. I was like, oh, that was really good actually. That was yeah. really funny. Yeah. All right, so shall we move into some trivia? Oh, I think it's time. Yeah, trivia time. A couple of trivia questions. Here we go. Do you have a question? Yeah. They're in the suitcase there. Okay, guys, so for this segment, we're going to whip out some trivia cards. If somebody has, knows the answer, oh, oh, is everybody going to get one card? Oh, fine. No. One? No? Yeah, Wait, yeah, one. That's seven questions is good. Okay, and if go. you know the answer. Here's one. If you know the answer, go Here's beep. what we do. We read question number two for everybody that hasn't seen this show before. There we go. There we go. Don't look at the answer because you, you're, you're playing in your own game. Oh, okay. oh sorry. Come so on. the answers are in the back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want a different card? Oh. Yeah, I kind of. Oh, sorry. Don't cheat. Don't cheat. Here we go. Question number two. So, the, so before we begin... We find these trivia questions really hard, so we went to the store and got an easier movie trivia question uh, 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 game. Or more current, more, more recent. Current, sure. Yeah. But the reason we started this trivia is because as filmmakers, we just don't know enough about, about films. So we started having this trivia segment on every show, see what we could figure out, you know, maybe learn a thing or two. And, uh, and then we'll, to wrap up the show, we're going to jump into our, uh, our uh, 
Desert Island movies. Oh. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Let me go first. Okay. okay. Who spoke the controversial words, you should be very proud that you've stood firm and had refused to be intimidated by the threats of a small bunch of Zionist hoodlums at the 1978 Oscars? Tom Cruise. 1978? Okay. Can you repeat that again? Yeah. That's a long question. Okay. You should be very proud that you've stood firm and have refused to be intimidated by the threats of a small bunch of Zionist hoodlums at the 1978 Oscars. I'm just, I'm just going to throw Robert Redford into the mix. I don't know. 78. It was Cruise, no and then he ran away. Because <laughs> he always runs in every movie. It's like in his contract. <laughs> it's like, it, I will run full speed in this movie. it's a robot run. Yeah. Because it's the arm pumping. It is, Gee. and he's just going full out. <laughs> the Cruise. He's just like... 78. The Cruise. Throwing your answers there. Speaking to the mic. Don't be afraid. De Niro. De Niro. De Niro. Uh, Michael Caine, just for shits yeah, and giggles. Caine. Good. Nothing. Uh, yeah, Tom Cruise. Vanessa Redgrave. Nah. I was going to say that. No ideas. <laughs> I, do you know what? See? I don't know who she is, really. Yeah. I know her name, but I don't Anyone? really. Nope. <laughs> See? She was in the movies. Yeah, she was. Who's got Here we go. I feel Danny, you're up. I feel so ashamed. So, question two, you said? Yep. Read in the mic. Okay. What Beatles film was originally titled Eight Arms to Hold You? Um, Beatles, Beatles film. Uh, uh, eight, I'm gonna say eight Abby, days night. I'm gonna say Abbey Road. I don't know. All I know is that the only one I know is Yellow eight days Submarine. a week. Yeah, I would think Yellow Submarine because of octopuses, right? Because it was a oh, is, uh, that was a movie. Octopuses oh. No, octopuses garden. Yellow Submarine was a movie. It was a cartoon. Okay. Is that, oh, is that contentious? Anyone else? Do I'm wrong yeah. on that too? Can we have a drum roll? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Help! Oh, Help! Sense. I need somebody. Help! <laughs> not not everybody. Okay. Not, not just anybody. Come on, I'm sorry, sorry. Who wrote or co-wrote the screenplays for Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction? Robert Rodriguez. Quentin Tarantino. Co-wrote? I mean, of course he did, but everybody knows it's him. Isn't there, is, so isn't there somebody else? I don't know. I think it's Tarantino. I mean, Tarantino's the main guy. Who's, Tarantino's the main guy. Co-wrote, too. Probably Rodriguez. Or who's his producing partner? Who is Tarantino's producing oh, partner? Let's say Tarantino. Oh, oh, okay. Who wrote or co-wrote? It's so wrote or co-wrote. Yeah, Tarantino. Oh, Come on. Tricky, yeah. yeah. Okay, is that the answer? Yeah. Yep. I, see, I get a point. Good no, job. you don't. What? We all Tarantino. get a point. No. Yeah, we all yeah. said it was Tarantino. Tarantino. Yeah. Yeah. I think he said Rodriguest. Yes. No. All right, fine. Tarantino. Everybody gets a point. We mutually agreed. Canada's basically socialist. Yeah. Universal health care. Universal points for trivia. Universal trivia points. Go. But there's a long waiting line. Son of bitch. Sorry. You speak, baby. What film had Sean Connery on Jupiter's moon? Outland. Outland. Sure. Yeah. Awesome film. You said it very good, at least. Outland. Yeah. Wow. Francis McDermott was in that one. That's a good film. Just a disc. Just a disclaimer here, and, and this, is why, this is why I, I usually never play movie trivia games with my son. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know anything. We were, we, were, we were at, a, oh, it was a Christmas gathering or whatever, so there's Jason and my nephew, Mike Wirtz, and here's two guys that are absolutely amazing with, when it comes to anything and everything about movies, and they're going, 
Let's Sorry. play movie trivia. Us two against all of you. Sorry, Vanessa Redgrave. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I don't know who you are. Here we go. So, on that note. Number two. What does James Conn's character use to kill Kathy Bates in Misery? Ice pick. Nope. Is it? No. No. That's in the basic instinct. Yeah. Lead pipe in the Ooh, kitchen. Doesn't he like use it? I thought it was like a typewriter. Like a typewriter? Yeah. yeah. He, he might crush the typewriter. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going with that. I was gonna say baseball bat. No, okay, no, I'm gonna no, say no. statuette. Yeah, I think I think Derek. Male or female? <laughs> a male. She held him by the junk. <laughs> a typewriter. There you go, Derek. Good nice. one, Derek. D Man takes it. You're going through the movie. Yeah. yeah that All I can remember is the sledgehammer. I don't remember. Uh, oh, that was horrible. It was, just like, it was one of those films that actually irks me while I'm watching it. Yeah. You know, I'm, oh my god. Oh, I gotta go watch that. With, I gotta go watch that with Connor immediately. <laughs> All right, Monzaki. What was the name of the band's swan song film? I'll repeat it again. Please do. <laughs> what was the name of the band's swan song film? The band is called Swan Song. What is the name of this of their film? Yeah. I'm going to go with Swan Song. Me too. Yeah. I'm going to go with The Ugly Duckling. Why not? Swan the Ugly song. Duckling, I like that one. Thanks. All right. The Last Waltz. Oh, yeah. Cool. cool, cool, cool. The Last Christoph Waltz. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. So I, I feel like uh, Danny and D-Man are uh, tied. Yeah. Here we go. This is this is the tiebreaker. What actor began filming Back to the Future only to be replaced by Michael J. Fox? Boom, Derek, you just got crushed. You got crushed. You got crushed. They were more than halfway through the film, and it wasn't working. Yeah, that's right. Wow. And Zemeckis went to Spielberg and was like, It's not working. It's not working, bro. Whoa. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's do a quick time check. Yeah. Okay, we got we got we got four minutes, and then they're gonna they're gonna kick us out. So here's what we're gonna do. The other segment that we like to have on the show, we like to do, we like to hear what everyone's three Desert Island movies are. But since we're in a rush, uh, we're gonna ask you guys for the one movie that you want to bring to a Desert Island. Essentially, the movie that you're gonna watch over and over and over again for the rest of your existence. Take it away, Zach. Oh God. Oh, no. What are you doing to me? Don't worry. It's, it's not a tattoo. It's, um, just, it's just a film opinion right now. You're not allowed to watch any more movies yeah. for the rest of your life. You can walk out of here and you can pretend you didn't say anything. I'm going to say Her. That's a, her? Yeah, it's an odd movie, but okay. yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know something about that movie. Intriguing. Very this. modern decision. You are choosing a movie... With no real women in it. No, I know that. Okay, I get, I get you. I know, because because cool, cool, that's what he's, like that's a, what's going to happen on the desert island. Yeah, essentially, <laughs> pair, man. He's gonna what he's gonna do is he's gonna get a piece of wood. He's gonna carve it. He's gonna put it. He's gonna He's gonna put it in his pocket. Yeah, it's Scarlett Johansson. A little itching. Yeah. What were you saying? Yeah. Yeah. Put a little bit of make a little hole. Put a little bit of moss on the hole. Yeah, it's good news. All right. You have a real opportunity to say Bickerman's Grove here. That would be my second choice. Thank you. Thank you. We, we don't want to hear second choices. 
I'll, I'll bring it with me, but uh, I think the DVD player I have can only play one movie. Which is? Which is um, the first Jason Bourne movie. Oh. The Bourne Identity. Yeah, great, great movie. Where he, where he and the kills that first one. guy in the kitchen when they first go back to his mm-hmm. uh, apartment. That scene is awesome. Yes. And I mean, the scene in the diner when he's like, I know that I can run 700 meters before I need to. You're like, I know ah, that there's four. I love this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I know that that guy knows how to handle himself and I can eat a bacon sandwich and then do 20 push ups before I pass out. It's amazing. That is exactly the line. Derek, now what you need to do is remember what you said last time. I know. Because we're going to go back and check because we can. Because we got the foley of the cork. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm having, I'm struggling. How good is right your memory? You're struggling. You're struggling yeah. to think of your Because well, now you've, you've, you've gone down to one. See what's happening? Lights, quick. Yeah, quick lights. Give it to Jen. Uh, okay. <laughs> Coming back means. to you. Fight club. Oh. Boom. On an yeah, island. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like yeah. that. That'd be cool. That's a good one. So can I just say, because I, I, I like to, I like to throw in commentary. Um, <laughs> I just watched Fight Club for the first time with my 14-year-old. And I let him watch stuff, you know. Um, but every once in a while, we're watching something, and there's there's a moment that I forgot was in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, when she says, I haven't been fucked like that since grade school, I went, <laughs> <laughs> Danny. Oddly, Jaws. Jaws. It's my go-to movie. I go, I've, I've watched it probably five, six, seven dozen times. Spielberg was brilliant in how he filmed it. The shark didn't work, which made a better movie. Um, I learned so much, and if I if I have doubts about my filmmaking, I always pull out Jaws and and watch it. Fantastic. Back to you, D man. I'm I'm still fighting with good, my good, my good. two, so I'm gonna go to no. That would be weird. Uh, Back to the Future. Oh, the original. Cool. Just watch. I just watched the three of them. All right, and uh, I will take th- this today. I will take. Do you know what? I'll take V for Vendetta today. Oh, I was my second. I watch. I watch V for Vendetta every Derek year. Derek has not seen it. What? Okay, this year. This, this year, year we'll have November a popcorn the fifth. evening. Yeah. November the fifth. Naughty today. man. All right, I ladies, guys. Thank you so much for joining us really? for this Am episode. Of first frames first. Oh, go for it, Jason. Yeah, no, go. Go uh, tell us your movie. Today Thank I'm you for say... joining us for First Frames First. You... <laughs> Thank you for having us. Yeah. You're very what welcome. Jason, what did, just get it out there so that we can end the show. This year, the, or this show, it's Bloodsport with Jean-Claude jo- Van Damme. Yeah. Bloodsport? High five. High five. Man, I love, I love, that, movie. I love that movie as a kid, man. Whew. Everyone, guys, thanks for sitting with us. Oh. <laughs> okay, USA. <laughs> awesome. Guys, thanks, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you know, guys. You guys don't often get this, but hey. Woo! I mean, that's amazing. And, and this is a real applause. It's not Love. a fake one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks so much, everybody. And uh, follow along at firstframesfirst.com or you can follow us at The Fable Forest on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Dream big, work hard. Thanks for listening to the Fable Forest Films podcast. First frames first. Yes. First frames first. Thank you, Jason. Welcome. If you enjoyed, head over to our website, www.thefableforest.com. Check out our films and sign up for our newsletter where we will send you exclusive content. 
Hit us up on our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, always at The Fable Forest. And share our show with your friends. It'll really help us out a lot. Dream big. Work hard.